as we come together this morning. Let's see if we can get this together here. Look like we're It was an unfamiliar pattern there, so just kind of straighten that out. Um, okay. We are looking in the book of Acts, and uh, in the book of Acts, we are looking at the fourth chapter, and it's about the 32nd verse. We're, we're talking this morning about the whole idea of, of unity and how important uh, that is. And so, as we consider uh, this verse, and again, I should not have assumed anything, uh, and so I'm going against all of my practices here. So let me just, give me one second, or oh, Pete, would you read, get my iPad right out there, on the, right on the desk, as soon as you reach in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on the dashboard is to be analogy of mercy. The analogy, um, the analogy of, of unity. I'm sorry, the analogy of unity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. There you go. As we uh, look at uh, the analogy of the unity, let's bow in prayer. Father, help us to understand how this is all put together. When we have a strong base, Lord, and wherever we are, whoever we deal with, whatever comes our way, we stand ready to be that soldier that having done all, just stand. So let us kind of walk into your classroom and help us, Lord, to look at your first church and how you put the first church together, the first pattern together, and some things that you expect to operate until you come. May we see them, Lord, in our minds, in our hearts, and as a result of it, may you be glorified. Great is your faithfulness. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints said, amen. When we talk about this whole thing of uh, analogy of um, unity, it says, now the fullness of those, uh, full number of those who were believed of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own but they had everything in common. <laughs> that, that strikes something different there. And look at 433. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon all. See the dynamics there? The giving, then power and grace. There was not a needy person among them what do, you, what do you think would happen in America if they followed that pattern? A lot of agency would be out of business. Then Mark, the question that comes to my mind, what happened? What happened? There's not a needy person among them for as many as were owners of land or of houses sold them and brought the proceeds that were sold Got a little bit more here. And laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. 
Thus, Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a, a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Wow. The analogy of unity. You know, we use words like, let us all put everything in one pot, you know, and then, uh, but they, they forget about the pocket that they have that they're holding back on, okay? But the, but the whole idea of unity is, here's what we do, not, see what happens is, it's not for me, it's for us. Now, understand the dynamics of the thinking. In, the, with the table of Babylon, Babel, what happened was this. Folks came together as one. And they said, let us build. They did everything. They, they built this, this uh, tower and, I mean, they put in their resources together. They were really doing, it really looked like it was great. Don't be fooled by the size of organizations and everything else. Size does not give substance. So in the Old Testament, the reason that God said, let us go down because all of the building was without God. They say, let us build, in other words, so we don't have to answer to no one. And the Lord said, whoa. And individuals try to build their lives and do their things so they don't have to answer to no one. Who do you think you are? Matter of fact, where do you think you are? Because in unity, God has said, I'm calling. He says, here's how I put the church together. It would not have survived as far as witnessing and everything else if everyone had their own agenda with their own attitudes and didn't want to be involved in anything but themselves unless they enjoyed it or liked it for themselves, the me factor. There's no room for this. Now, I'm saying this now as a teaching platform. I'm not putting down anyone, per se. But if the shoe fit, wear okay? <laughs> okay. So, defining the term. Unity is a mutual consent and commitment between two or more individuals on goals, objective, and, and course of actions, which are addressed and viewed from the same perspective. You, you, have, um, you have three groups. You have comrades. The comrade is, I don't like you and you don't like me. But in order for us to get Jesus out of the way, we have to come together. And so they said, hey, that's cool, that's cool, cool. And so they had the Herodians and all the rest of them. They, they, and the Sadducees and, and the Pharisees. And they all slapped off together and said, our main goal is to take Jesus down. Conrads. Constituents. Constituents, that's another group, folks. Constituents are like the politics that's going on right now. I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican. 
I'm this, I'm this thought and that thought and like old McDonald had a farm and here and there, everywhere. Everyone has their little group and they, they, they are very strong in their group. Although they don't know the people, basically don't know each other, but for the name of the group, they do a lot of things. And families have split over Republican and Democrat and never understood that Congress was for the purpose of serving and ministering to the people and the people had a voice to Congress. So when we talk about unity, the Lord is saying, wait a minute, I want to start off with a unity where all of us are under the same umbrella. And so we move forward in this. Remember, always affirm the common goal afterwards to discuss the differences in your approach. See, where did that come from? Let me help you out. Whenever you have a disagreement in any group, the first thing you agree on what you agree on the things that you agree on. One, we have a problem. Everybody agree? We agree. Okay, all right, okay. We have a problem that's specifically for this particular household. Okay, everybody, everybody's agree. And as a couple begin to break it down, I say, you are getting ready to make me shout your own agreement right now. I see no, I see no problems. By the time we get to what they disagree on, it's that small. And I said, and that small item is going to destroy your marriage and other lives, all because you could not come together. Because you see, that next group is confidants. Confidants. The confidant is the one where you pull them into the circle and you, and you open up the, your heart. And our, our theme, I'm working on a theme for next year, and it's one that we kind of talked, talked around, but it's... Uh, keeping it real. Doing what? Let's keep it real. Keep it real. One person told me, I don't like you. I said, At least I know you don't like me now. Thank you for being honest. See, not that I will dislike you, but I know that there's a way that I should approach you because you made it very clear. I don't like you. My feelings isn't hurt, but I would like for your attitude to change. Therefore, I'm not going to get into the ring of disliking you. So, in our introduction, well, a oneness of mind agreement, seven things will come to a grinding halt. Are you ready? Just make sure everybody's on, on, on board and everybody is awake. Here we go. Number, number one, what is it? Communicate. Talk. Don't come in here with any conclusion. You haven't talked to the person yet. Please, talk. Next. Unity. Unity. Next. Stability. Stability. Next. Progress. Progress. Next. Victory. Victory. Next. And then finally, a testimony. You, you've heard us that you don't have a testimony if you have not been through a test. So then, 
every time that God wants you to grow, guess what you're going to go through? <laughs> test. And whenever he takes you through the test, it's going to test the thing that you guard the dearest to you, that button that you don't want anybody to push. God's going to send somebody to touch that button. And all of a sudden, you scream because you didn't want anyone to touch that button in your life. In order to minimize unnecessary conflict and confusion, agreement unity must uh, come before ministry. Jesus prayed for the uniqueness of our oneness in Christ. Some of his words were, Father, I would that they be one as what? As we as are one. He kept praying for our oneness. Our oneness does not mean we look alike, but we're going in the same direction with Christ as our Savior. Unity is not an accident, but an, an outgrowth of a deeper commitment to our Lord. Thinking it through. As we address these principles of unity agreement, there are two questions we should ask. Here's the first one. What were the requirements? Verse 32 to 33. And next one is, what were the results of this unity? Two things. What were the requirements? What were the results? Let me walk you through it. The first one, we start off with the first one, what were the requirements? And we talk about what were the requirements. Then we look at uh, uh, Acts 34, Now, the full number of those who believe were of one heart and soul. You see that? I like that. Before you start off, they had to start off with one heart and one soul. Do you know Jesus? Do you love him? Okay. That, that is so key. That's why doctrine is so important. That anyone just walking in and saying, I want to be a member. Sorry, do you know Jesus? No, you can't be a member. I can't be a, you can attend. You can sit among us. But you can't be a part of the moving body that makes a difference in our individual growth. There's one heart, one soul, it says, and one said that... Uh, and one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, and now it shifts to power. They already have it together with the Lord. Now there's power. The apostles were giving their testimonies to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them all. What do you think God was doing here? You see, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. I guess I am. The whole idea of the church is we have to have it together if we're going to go into a broken world. Are we in agreement? A broken world, you can have a number of agendas. There will always be agendas. There will be always things people will have need of, et cetera, et cetera. The first thing we need to know in God's agenda, in God's pattern, that when it comes down to power and grace, it has to start among believers in the unity. Remember last week when I showed you that little power, the flower, flower, flower part and uh, those few flowers? 
And I was trying to get you to understand that a congregation is not built up of hundreds and hundreds of people. It's people who are planted in the pot. And as God water it, guess what those flowers are going to do? This is start getting bigger, right? Then you get a bigger pot. Because cause all of those flowers can't stay in that one pot. They start undergoing those changes. But, but the ingredients are there. They're all one heart and soul, and, and they, they're all sharing from the same soil, and they're, they're all together. That's what it's all about. There shouldn't be a hurting or needy person in our congregation. Whether that's going to take training, whatever other things. But what needs to be understood is that when you try to do it yourself, the DIY, you run into problems. We operate as a group with a, a mass of thinking and ability so that where you fall short, there's someone guaranteed much stronger to come alongside. But this is not a built-in aid where I come in and the church support me and I still do what I want to do. You contribute to the body with your gift. And so the results of it is, see, when it happened to the spiritual, then notice what happened to the physical. It didn't say power. What type of power? Great power. The church had great power. It didn't say it was a great sized congregation. Did you notice it didn't say how many folks per se? But this said they have great power, and then they had great grace was upon them. Every one of them believed in Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, and they were committed to the way. Every one of them was a recipient of a common love for one another. They had a common attitude about their possessions. Notice the profile of this group of believers. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart, one soul, and no one said that anything of the thing that they belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Notice the profile of that group. What is the profile of Chicagoland Bible Fellowship Church? One thing that I really appreciate and I've observed, when there's a legitimate need, the saints come together. I've seen this over and over. I have never seen where there's a legit, I said legitimate. Okay. Um, you'd be surprised of those who try to be different and try to be, quote, slick. But I mean legitimate. When there's a legitimate need, the church is saying, you don't have to go it alone. It's happening to family. Once that is foundational, uh, then we're well on our way to being God's pattern as a church. There are three universal lines of thought that seem to affect our world. Let's say it together. The first one is what? What's yours is mine. I think of Finding Nemo, and uh, that little fish was flopping along, and, uh, and all of them said, mine, 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 mine. <laughs> they said, somebody's going to get it, mine. <laughs> then the next one is what? Yours. 
Oh. That's capitalism. I got mine, now you get yours. And then we have, then we have the other one, what mine is yours. That's Christianity. Where do you get that from? God so loved the world, who had it all, and we didn't have anything in danger. And he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, you see, that, how does that mean, what's mine is yours? Oh, after you were saved, then you were pulled into the body of Christ. You became adopted sons and daughters of God. That's what we call grace. Amazing grace. Once you were pulled into the body of Christ, God is saying, I have your future throughout all eternity. You are no longer a slave or an enemy, but I will make you adopted sons and daughters. What's mine is yours. We become, when we talk about Jesus Christ is our brother, believe it or not. That's why he says when you pray, pray our father. He didn't say pray to your father. He said pray our father. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We didn't deserve it, but God gave it. And guess what? He was set in the pattern, this is how it should be with believers. It keeps us from, help me with the word, ingrown eyeballs. What is it? Somehow, when folks come to church, they have the tendency of, what do I or what can I get out of it? Instead of, what can I give to it? And the thinking that I want to change, the thinking that I want, if there's any that's contrary, the thinking I want you to think is this. When you come to the door, when you come uh, to morning worship, the thing is, what am I bringing to it? And a lot of times we're so bent on what we're going to get out of it that we don't bring anything to it. God help us in that area. They display the love of people and not things because God's, in God's eye, you got the words here, ready? People are primary. You are the most important entity of this whole thing. You are. You see, once, once that's solidified, then whatever we do is magnified and God is glorified. You see what I'm saying? Once we understand, I come to the group and I come to give and be a part of and encourage and whatever I can do to be that to a brother and sister in the Lord. And that in, in turn helped the magnitude and the power of the ministry and the result of the power of the ministry. Lives are changed. And, we, and guess what? They, they shared their, their testimony, not their theologies and everything else. Their testimony, what Jesus Christ had done for them. They were lights going out in darkness and all those dark places where people were. They shared with great power and lives were changed. Yeah. Yeah. Then we come to 
consider this. Our Heavenly Father wants us to love people and use things. You read the last part. What is it? But Satan pressures us to love things and use people. They show a threefold understanding of being in a community of believers, of the believer's family. They were, from God's perspective, a new spiritual family. Two, that an effective ministry works from the inside out, not the outside in. Next, that a spirit-filled church first cares for each other. Whenever, you read in the New Testament, whenever there's a famine and everything else, did you notice that they didn't have a campaign for the unsaved? Check it out. Guess where the money went first? Guess where the aid went first? To the church. Why? Because once it goes to a church that is vibrant and loving like this, they have the strength and power to minister to the neighborhoods in their area. See, that's how it works. It works on the principle, let me make it a little bit simple, simpler. They work on the principle of you give to Red Cross, and what Red Cross does with your resources is filter it to where it's really needed. Don't try to do Red Cross job, per se, but here's how we work. And all of the entities work along that same line. Bring it in, empower, and we can push it out, and folks are really impacted. So why are you bringing it? Number two, you've been very patient. Hang in there. What were the results of this unity? Well, don't let the verses scare you. We'll just go right through them. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of land, of houses, sold them and brought, them, brought the proceeds to what was sold. And laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostle Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him, didn't sell his neighbor's field, and brought the money and, and laid it at the apostles' feet. You see what the father's the giving is concerned? These believers experienced two significant things. One, what is it? Great power. Great power from God. When they started from God's basis, they had great power from God. My prayer, oh God, give us the great power that's needed. Keep the prayer up. Keep it going. Help us understand the importance of prayer and praying for each other. We had October where you were supposed to pray for each one of the leadership. My question is, did you pray for the leadership? Yeah, well, I, I forgot. Okay. Um, that's okay. We'll give you another chance. Start this week. <laughs> and it only, takes, it only takes a few minutes. Remember us. It's our job to minister on behalf of God and to love you regardless for your growth and your walk before God. And the things that will be done 
as individuals have different responsibility, then God does something else. He gives great power to those individuals to do those things. And whenever they get discouraged, not only do they cry out to the Father, they talk to one another and say, pray for me. And they know that the believers will what? Pray. Power among the saints to deal with everyday challenges. Then they have what? Great abundance or great grace. Great power, great grace. In all these verses, the seven verses, also the seven, these fouls with great power, great grace. God gave us, will give us power to deal with any situation that comes our way. And then great grace to be willing to give it up. Um, and so, power to witness. Let me back up, back it up here. Back it up just a little bit. Power to witness. When we talk about great grace. God's amazing grace is the only thing that changes folks' Amen. lives. Amen. And so what we do with that power, you share your testimony. You don't have to be in a specific place per se. That's great. But wherever you are, God opens a door because you may never see that person again. Share it. They're walking in darkness. They may die that particular day. Share it. Tell them great grace. That only through Jesus, not through a church, but believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary for our sins, that his death, burial, and resurrection, because we were sinners, he died for us, he rose again, God's receipt to let us know that it has been accepted, and we accept that, ask him to be our savior, and he will forgive you of your sins and make you a part of the family. Great grace. So we wrap it up. Been very patient. One last thing. If we stay with God's plan, here is his finished product. One, what is it? He will be glorified. Next. His grace and power. You see, when the Lord talked about much fruit, you and me and I and you, apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, but when you do this, he says, in, in Mark 15, uh, 8, he says, he talks about the fact that God is glorified. Your joy is, is full. The next one is what? Ministry that he has given to us will have a great impact. This demands our understanding and commitment to unity. The analogy of unity. When we take a look, when we take, put it on the table and look at it. Then with the church, it starts with, number one, it starts with us believing all, believing in Christ. And then when it comes down to making sure that we're meeting each other's needs, then after we meet each other's needs, then we make sure that since we're planted here, the word, go get them, <laughs> or sick them. <laughs> and you have a powerful church. It might not be a bulldog. 
But you know, here they, here they come and they're going to make a difference. They're out and they will not give up on me because I can't, they, they can't, I can't discourage them. I close on this note. This pastor went into this uh, neighborhood and uh, this pastor, the family were arguing. He knocked on the door and uh, they didn't answer. He walked in. And, uh, and he said, can I help? Now understand, this pastor, every day, he would go knock on the door, and the man says, no, I don't want it. Then he'd come back the next day and say the same thing. Good morning. My name is Pastor So-and-so. <laughs> I said, what do you want? Well, I just want to let you know that Jesus Christ loves you, and that uh, we would love to have you come with us, and I'd like to share with you. Well, on this particular day, when he saw the door open, he walked in and, and he sat down on the sofa. And, uh, and as the, the father was arguing with the daughter, then he said, um, may I have a word? And he said, what are you doing here? You, this is live, or this is for real. What, and, and, and make it more dynamic, the dynamics of it, it was a Caucasian pastor going into a black home. But this pastor said, their souls. They need to be saved. So I want to introduce myself. And as he introduced himself and as he went in there, guess what? Make a long story short. He said, the, the man said, if you think that um, I'm going to keep her here, he said, that's okay, I'll take her. Do you know the impact of that man in that neighborhood? He didn't let the howling dogs on the outside change who he was on the inside. Today, reintroduce yourself. Don't you know who you are? You're a child of God. <laughs> Walk with the king. Keep it real. And, and as you do that, understand, you're not doing this alone. We're family. And my prayer is, oh God, help us as a family. Stay focused. And understand the uniqueness of this whole idea of analogy. And may it really work in our hearts. So my, my prayer this morning is for all of us. And there's, there's one word that I, I use and close on. Oneness or unity, togetherness. Oh, God, help us to get there. Whatever it takes, whatever I need to lay aside, help me to have the Barnabas attitude and not what's in it for me. May we be that people. Lord, I just pray right now for the uh, Chicago Land Bible Fellowship Church. I pray for each one that is here, for friends. I pray, Lord, that we will begin to understand that um, it's not a Bible story to thrill us, but your word to inform us and to keep us on the right track. So that when you look down at our church, you know that the planting here at 7158 
have taken root because the Holy Spirit had his way in each one of our lives. So I pray toward that end. Thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name I pray. And all the saints said, Amen. Thank you, Pastor, for that word. You know, as as he was as he was giving the message towards the middle of the message, he was talking about praying and laid this song on my heart. All y'all know it. I'm not gonna sing it, but uh, no, no. But y'all can y'all can play it on your way home. Somebody prayed for me, had me on their mind, took the time and prayed for me. I'm so glad they pray. Mm. I'm so glad they pray. I'm so glad they pray. Mm. Amen. And then it says, the preacher prayed for me. Y'all know somebody's praying for you. Amen. Before you got saved, somebody prayed for you. Amen. With that on mind, let's receive the benediction. 
Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. And look to your neighbor and say, I love you.